Welcome back, Bulls Nation, to another episode of the Nothing But Bulls podcast. I'm your host, Derek, and as always, I'm here with my main man, Justin. Justin, what's going on? Nothing much. Just uh, catching some uh, really good Bulls vibes with that with that first Summer League game. Very excited. Uh, overtime comeback thriller led by Marco Simonovic. It was, it was finally Marco hours. Yeah, you know, I was watching the game, and um, as happy as I was, I just kept getting heated and heated and more heated. (laughs) And do you know why I was upset? Can you guess why? Um, The referees? No. It had absolutely nothing to do with any of the players that were on the court. Actually, no, it did have something to do with the players. It had something to do with Marco, but in relation to a player who wasn't even playing on the court. (laughs) And I I won't, I won't like make you like guess about it. It just, every, everything that I saw with Marco was more than I saw in Lori Markinen's last year with the Bulls. <laughs> Everything. Like, from the fact that the three-point shot wasn't falling. He only shot three of them. So what did Marco do? He tried he taking his paint. man off the dribble. <laughs> Going to the basket. Finishing hard. <laughs> Hustling attempting to play defense like those are the things that I think every last Bulls fan envisioned Laurie doing in a Bulls uniform on a consistent basis like tell me tell me I'm wrong no you're you're completely <laughs> right I mean I Laurie is so far out of my mind I never would have guessed you were talking about Laurie marketing no, I just I could not like help and I you know I don't I don't even know if, um, you know, from like a skill standpoint, I don't know if Marco necessarily has like the skills that Lori had, but it's just the hustle. It's the try factor that um, it just catches your eye. You know, the willingness to, to throw your body around, the willingness to try to rebound, um, to play big, you know, those were all things that I saw in one, like I saw glimpses of it in those grainy videos that you could see on YouTube uh, when they first signed uh, Marco. And then it got better when you saw more examples of him playing in the summer league last year. But this, this game was a hustle game. Because the Bulls were down, like what they were down by, like what sixteen points at some point. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, it was it was funny. Um, the Mavericks they played a small lineup. Um, just a little side note with that Mavericks team, like that that kid Hardy, like 
right now he can do things that Brunson will never be able to do. So good for Dallas with not overpaying for Brunson. But um, back to my my uh, Marco notes, you know, I was just looking at that. Um, his smarts, like from the defensive end and recognizing certain things, like there was there was one thing um, when um, before Marco even tied it up, there was one thing that I noticed that really stood out to me, uh, was how he a- attacked um, a screen that was trying to be set. And so, you know how like bigs and we you saw this like throughout the um, the uh, Celtic series with the Warriors, uh, they had a big problem with bigs and not attacking the ball or coming closer to the ball to kind of like um, not provide as much space for the opposing players. And um, on that last play, instead of Marco playing off, he came up which helped create the turnover in the first place, which led to the fast break. You know, those are things that you, you see um, skilled veterans who like, they still have a hard time like understanding when to do that in the, in the certain time times throughout the game. And that, that last play of his was just key. Um, His recognition on that was just key. And again, that, that in those first, in that first game, those two hours that we watched, you know, I, I saw more of what I thought that Lori would have provided for this team on a halfway consistent basis. So, <laughs> you know, I am happy for Marco. I'm glad to see that his hard work has paid off. I'm glad to see that um, he's obviously bigger and stronger. He didn't play against any real big men on the court. And he showed that he was just going to bully people around. So I was I was happy about his performance. Yeah, I mean, he spent all of the, like, last year in the, the G League. And he was, like, constantly putting up, like, 20, 10, 20, and 15 games. But the problem we always thought was he he was too small. He, he was too frail to play against, you know, the Joel Embiid's and – the Jokic's and big centers that have had NBA experience. And he, he put on muscle. He he said he went from 215 to 240. And, yeah. you know, he came out and he came out and scored like the first six points. And I don't, I don't know why they kind of like went away from him, from a guy that just gives you a 6-0 lead by himself. But, you know, he, he, he stayed with it, and you know he finished the game with twenty-seven points, thirteen rebounds, and three blocks. And if he if he can do like half of that, he would be a valuable backup big. Um, I think he would be better than Tony Bradley. He won't get carried off the court. Let's just say that. <laughs> not going to get carried off the court. Um, like it felt like Bradley was like holding, like he was holding on to <laughs> to uh, Stephen Adams as he was being carried off the court. Like it felt like it was a warm nesting place for Bradley <laughs> as he was leaving, or I'm sorry, being escorted off. <laughs> um, but yeah, like he he looked like a viable option as a big man. Um, 
And that's not to say that this Bulls team is going to need him to play um, a whole bunch of minutes. Uh, they they did uh, get Drummond, and, and Drummond's going to fulfill those backup roles at center. But he looks like he has an NBA body, and he looks like some, someone who can actually do something with that body. Like, his hands were active. Um, he did have some defensive lapses, but as the game went, went on, he – he got better with that. Um, and, you know, he you could tell he put in the work. And that's that's at this stage, as a second-round draft pick um, who is a, a stash player, like that's all you can – that's all you can expect out of those guys is just put in the work and keep on developing. And, you know, he gave us some positive glimpses for what he could add to this team. Yeah, I mean, he he was the the forty fourth pick. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, a lot of people that's picked the forty four, they don't really make it in the league. He, yeah. but he he looks like you know a valuable option. I'm not going to say like he's backing up Vooch this season. I mean, because we we got obviously got Andre Drummond, but you know, as a third string center, he looks pretty good pretty useful if you know somebody gets injured yeah i see like a lot of trade you know similar to when vooch first came into the league uh, a lot of people forget when vooch came in you know he was backing up uh andrew bynum um man we haven't <laughs> the last time anybody said andrew <laughs> <Bynum's name. laughs> uh former laker andrew bynum <laughs> <laughs> For those people who hear this and, and don't have any clue as to who I'm talking about, uh, play with Kobe, <laughs> if, if that helps. Um, at one point was considered like the second best center in the league. And that really, um, that really, <laughs> that was crazy. The, the state of the center position uh, with du- during Dwight Howard's uh, time period when he was the top center in the league. But, um, yeah, you know, when Vooch came in, you know, I'm sure they didn't expect much out of Vooch. And, and eventually uh, Vooch overtook Bynum. And, you know, it was just through effort plays and just working on your skill set. And I see a lot of those traits with uh, Marco. I'm not saying that he'll be as good of a player as Vooch, but I do see a player who is committed to uh, continuing his development. Right. Um, yeah, and he's he's been training with uh, Vucevic. He he said that Vuce has been his mentor, and I know they did some training before you know summer league started. Yeah, I'm I'm excited because like you know again, he did some things that I we just you don't see around in the league a lot of times. You just you don't see big men trying to attack mismatches and um there were like you said there were times where guys were going away from i i know exactly why guys were going away from him because they know that um more than likely um marco's gonna be on the team so this is that time for other guys to try to showcase what they're doing albeit selfishly but you know all of those guys are playing for um you know either either they're trying to, to gain a spot on this uh um, on the Bulls affiliate team or, you know, they're showcasing their skills for 
possibly overseas. So, um, but yeah, like they went away from him, and then you saw that you know Dallas was able to eventually overtake and and um, create a, a a pretty substantial lead. And then once he got going, and they they started to find him more, especially with um, Terry. I, I I thought that Terry did a good job of of really trying to, um, you know, find those mismatches with Marco. And, you know, he just kept attacking, kept working. And, um, you know, it's funny when you look at the stat score, uh, you'll see that they had the same amount of two-point shots. Um, but the Bulls shot, you know, four or 14, I think, from the three-point line. The uh, Mavericks shot, I think, 12, 12 or 40 or some kind of crazy stat like that but um at the end it really came down to him attacking the rim and and just free the free throw disparity and when you have a guy a big who's willing to go to the basket and just finish uh in the lane um you you saw that there were certain things that he 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 was putting up stats in the summer league last year and um but he wasn't finishing quite as well as he did on this particular game. So I, I saw everything that I needed to see from, from Marco. Um, I, I want to see him more. I don't feel like I have to see more <laughs> because <laughs> I, I don't want him to get hurt at all or have something happen to him. But um, yeah, he, he and, and Terry and, you know, a lot of those guys who are out there today, they, they really showed me everything that I needed to see out of them. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, Terry did an overall good job. Um, I think he finished with nine points, six, six, six assists, six turnovers. But, you know, it was his first summer league game, his first taste of NBA action. So I'm sure he was kind of nervous. But you can see he, he kept attacking. He kept um, – he, he was trying to play make. He, he had some nice passes. Um, I, I, I don't know who our point guard was today, but – they, 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 it was just not good. I don't, I don't know who no. that guy is. But he was just not no. good. He did not put anybody in any good spots. So, you know, what, what Terry did, I, I think overall was good for his first taste of NBA action. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're, you're that young, um, you, you don't, you're not familiar with other guys' games. And, um, yeah, again, like you said, the, the I don't know who the point guard was either. I just I just kept waiting for him to get the ball into Terry's hands. And, you know, I, I you did see, like, the six turnovers, and, and that's understandable, just like how I mentioned with not knowing specifically where guys are supposed to be on the court, not really having a whole lot of action um, as far as practicing with each other and get a, getting a feel for their games. But I thought that there were just some passes that he made that were just phenomenal, like just nothing short of phenomenal. And um, I, I remember seeing a Twitter poll today. Somebody was asking, like, how many points do you think that uh, Terry's going to put up? And I didn't really care if he didn't score at all. Um, the thing that I wanted to see was his ability to run the court, his passing ability, and his on-ball defense was just on point. Um I think that even with like his, just his ability to fight over screens, like he's better than, you know, I'd say more than half of the Bulls players who 
don't fully understand that concept of or how to position their body to to fight over screens. And I, I hope I'm not being um, hyperbolic and, and, you know, just exaggerating, but like, you know, that, that is a skill set of being able to do that. And when I look at his game, I look at somebody who can be like uh, in the role of like Andre Iguodala. And um, if you could get a player like Andre Iguodala with the 18th pick, somebody who you probably think is just fighting for a roster spot, I think that that's a, a tremendous find for this team. Yeah, his fighting through screens. I mean, he he knew how to get through him. He positioned his body to get through him. Uh, it it kind of reminds me of like how uh, Caruso will fight through a screen. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm like there. There are certain there are certain things that I see where I'm like, gosh. I mean, isn't like there? Don't you just know not to do certain things? Like, I would see like. <laughs> You saw the number of turnovers that the Bulls had. It was like up to like close to 30 or maybe it even surpassed 30. I, I just lost track of all of the turnovers that they have. And I know that these are young guys who don't have any type of, um, you know, professional um, background to them. Well, not, not all. It's like some of them do. I think like Malcolm Hill. But, um, you know, there's just certain things like when you when you jump, like don't jump in the air and try to pass the ball like that. That's that should just be a basic principle that you understand playing in any type of like organized NBA or not, or just organized basketball in general. Like just don't jump in the air and try to throw the ball to somebody like that's just a big no, no. But um, just that his IQ defensively is just what I wanted to see on display. And he, he didn't disappoint. Yeah, I think um, Justin Lewis uh, provided some good minutes too. Yeah. Um, Oh, go ahead. um, He's on. I think we have him on a two-way contract. Yeah, I think so. I think that they did sign him to a two-way contract. Because it's it's him and Hill who are in the two-way contracts, right? Um, is Hill on the contract? I thought. Who did we assign? I thought it was. I was pretty sure it was Lewis who was on the two-way contract, and I also thought that Hill had a two-way contract too. I might be wrong. I thought we just signed um, Freedom Liberty. Maybe that was just a like a training camp invite or something. Freedom Liberty is that the guy out of DuPaul? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean he had some fairly. fairly decent moments um there's nothing spectacular but um yeah like the the guys who i think can have like an immediate impact um they played well i was really surprised that like lewis didn't get drafted um i thought that that was a guy from marquette like he he really upped his game I, i know like he didn't have like a very good freshman year but like his sophomore year he he really put up some really solid numbers. He was one of those guys where I looked at the uh, draft and I was like, I was just surprised that he didn't um, get picked up by somebody or, I mean, drafted by somebody. But um, these players that they are bringing into this Bulls team, uh, this organization, you see where they're going. They're trying to get guys who have more two-way capability 
And um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see these guys continue to develop. Yeah, definitely. Um, it seems that AK is looking for, as I said before, um, more two-way players. The guys play multiple positions and also know how to handle the ball and can, like, create offense if they need to, but also be confident on the defensive end. Yeah. Um, and that that is, like, what makes me – because it, it was interesting. It's, like, one of those um, uncomfortable things that you notice. Um, I don't know if you saw the shot of the uh, Bulls team who showed up in support. <laughs> yeah. And sprinkled <laughs> in there was Kobe White. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> man. Is anybody going to tell him he's not invited <laughs> to <laughs> Oh, I've seen so many comments on <laughs> Kobe being there. Like, uh, does he know that like, he's not going to be with this team? <laughs> yeah. Like, um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was just weird watching, like, watching somebody cheer on somebody who's probably going to replace them. <laughs> that, um, yeah, that's. And that's not saying like you know you know how you know what I've said before like I think that Kobe could be a more he could be an asset on this Bulls team but he just like defensively like he just doesn't give you much um yeah so it's it's just kind of kind of weird watching him cheer on <laughs> this team and you know you see all of those guys you know they're going to be playing with each other but um yeah it remains to be seen because i think that if if a if acme could have found you know somebody willing to offer up just like half a halfway decent player or pick he would be gone right like yeah it said the asking price was um a draft pick and a young player yeah. And um I don't know if there's like a whole bunch of people that you could fool into trying <laughs> to make that deal. I mean, look, we we had this um on our last um I think it was on our last podcast. Like I talked to you about how I don't think that anybody is going to be um trying to trade for Durant. It might have been a is either the podcast or it was like just on discord where I was talking to different people. And I'm like, well, just look at Durant. Nobody's going to be taking on Durant and giving up a whole bunch for a soon to be 34 year old who is arguably one of the best players in the NBA the past, what, 15 years. Yeah. So Coming yeah. off, you know, he had the Achilles tear. Yeah. And somehow Kobe, um, career went down after that Achilles tear so Durant looked like he lost a bit of a step last year um it's kind of a cone defensively in the playoffs so I don't know the net the Nets just have this insane asking price for like five draft picks and they want like four players as well yeah I, you know I think that that was more about like 
we're going to put something ridiculous out there, but we know we're not going to get it um, to make it more palpable for KD to return because he's kind of out of options. Like, I didn't even know about that rule with you not being able to have two guys on their rookie um, their rookie extension from, like, separate teams. Like, I didn't yeah, I didn't know cool. that that even existed for the CBA. So it's yeah. like – was it the, the Septon rule? I think that's what it's called. It's the what rule? The, the Septon rule. I think that's what it's called. Oh, I don't know. But, you know, the only way for him to be moved for, for what they're asking, like, you'd have to find somebody willing to take on Simmons' contract. And, you know, that's not going to happen. Um, that It's funny. The Nets have so much talent and nobody wants them. Like, did you like? I don't think anybody saw that coming together uh, when this team was, um, you know, put it forming um, in general. But I, I, I bring this back around to Kobe White <laughs> in saying that if if no one's gonna give up a ridiculous thing amount of uh, capital for Durant, I don't see a whole bunch of teams like really vying for Kobe services right now. Yeah, I was on like, go ahead and play to the deadline. Get your value up. <laughs> yeah, because the Bulls need another power forward. Um, need somebody unless they're thinking that like Marco can step in there, and I think that that's even at this point, it's kind of a big ask. Yeah. But you know, um, but you know, it with the way the Bulls team is kind of put together right now they have a whole bunch of guys who can who are capable wing defenders like a ball is back healthy if caruso is back healthy um even with uh damar um not necessarily being a wing defender but just somebody who can play maybe the power forward position in like a very very small ball lineup um and then it's just you know it's a matter of okay, you trade Kobe, you need a backup power forward. But in all honesty, um, if P-Will is going to be your main power forward, you kind of expect him with the amount of time that he's missed to be playing a whole bunch of extended minutes at the power forward position. So then you have to look into, well, how much do you really, really need a power forward? Like, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that's still up in the air, but, like, I'm with you. I think that Kobe has to kind of build up his value again before he gets moved. Yeah, I, I think our our main power, backup power forward is Derrick Jones Jr. since we re-signed him. Yeah, and, you know, I think he, for what he, for for him being allowed to kind of, scale back and go back into that role of just an energy guy that can give you a solid, you know, 12 to 15 minutes. I think that that's a perfect role for him. Yeah. And I know some people are going to be like, well, he's only six, six, but he, he plays a lot bigger than six, six. And he, he played good minutes at that spot for us. Um, last season, you know, unfortunately he, it's like always in and out with an injury, but 
hopefully we'll have better health this year, like with everybody on the team. Yeah. Um, because like, again, you look at um, this team and people are like, oh, we have a whole bunch of guards, but we have big guards, you know? Um, even with Caruso, like there were times where Caruso was, was taken on a Giannis. And I'm not saying that that's something that you want to see on a regular basis, but you, you don't, it's the, the team is not so small that you desperately need to go out and sign another, um, another power forward at this point. Like it's a very versatile lineup that the, um, that this team has put together. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, we have solid depth at every position. Yeah. Like, we've got Lonzo, the point guard, um, Ios is backup. You got, um, who else played point? Um, Kobe for Io. Um, they also can be the backup shooting guard to Zach. Um, Terry can be the backup shooting guard. Terry can also play the three. You got DeRozan. You got um, Pat. You got Dirk Jones Jr. Andre Jumman for Vooch. Like that—that's a lot of depth. And oh, Gordon Dragic also. Oh uh, man, I—I I keep forgetting about <laughs> Dragic. Like. It's so funny. I think I forget about him because so many people have just been down on <laughs> Dragic and uh, Drummond. Like I don't, I don't get it because, like, look, you know, with me being in South Florida, I got a chance to watch Dragic a lot in a Heat uniform, and I know that people say, you know, he's thirty-seven and whatever, and he didn't play that well um, for the Nets and. Um, but he was coming back off of injury, trying to assimilate himself back into that team. And that team was all over the place. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think that you can go off of just that one setting. I've seen him in a variety of different situations. Um, just be successful, especially in the playoffs. You're, you're going to need somebody who can make plays and isn't afraid of the moment. And if you've seen Dragic play, you would know that he fits exactly what this Bulls team needs. Um, there's there's not going to be somebody who's going to speed up his play like you saw um, with A.O. being a rookie last year and with Kobe just, you know, crapping in his pants because somebody <laughs> picked up his dribble. Like, that's just – that's not going to happen. And And more importantly, you have a guy that you're not going to have to depend on him for like 30 minutes a night like he if if a ball isn't ready at the beginning of the year then you have another capable ball handler a playmaker um if if something happens with with Zach you know tremendous amount of, of death on this team and also with Drummond like i i don't understand why people were so against him or just not excited to have him on on the team. It's a capable rebounder. Um, when he played on, I think it was the Nets last year, because there was a time that he played on the on Cleveland at some point last year, I think, or maybe that might have been the year prior to that. I can't remember. But when, like, along the end of the year, 
he's putting up 12 and like 10 and playing 21, 22 minutes per game. Um, is there any big that the Bulls have on their roster who could like do that from a bench standpoint? I don't think so. Um, and he, he's definitely, you're going to feel his presence when, he, when he's out there. You need a big body like his when you are going up against Giannis and when you're going up against Embiid, um, which is something that I thought drastically hurt the Bulls of the past couple of years of just being outbodied by other teams. Um, people were talking about how he doesn't block the ball a lot, but it's not just with blocks. And in, many, in some ways, I say that blocks are kind of overrated um, as, a, as opposed to his blocks and his steal percentage. His steal percentage has been fairly impressive too. And I think that he kind of fits in more with what this Bulls team needs going forward. Just a little bit of toughness, um, some, a guy who has active hands, and a guy who, you know, when he's coming in um, from that supporting role, you know he's not going – like the moment's not going to be too big for him. Right. Um, yeah, that, uh, it's funny because my point was a lot of people are upset about Drummond because um, Everett Lee said that the main objective in free agency was getting a rim protector. And they're saying, well, Andre Drummond is not a rim protector. But what people don't realize is that rim protection is a bit overrated. Yes. Because if you have good wings who can defend, you really don't have to worry too much about rim protection. And no, Drummond, Drummond's a rebound machine. Um, so, you know, if the wings are doing their job like Pat and, and you have Alonzo healthy out there, you have Caruso healthy, um, and they're not getting broken down like how you saw um, what's happening when those guys are out of the lineup, then you really aren't too concerned about a rim protector as long as you have somebody back there that can slightly deter just going straight to the basket and that can rebound the ball. Um, German is pretty good with doing that. And, you know, he played – when he played with Philly, he was giving Philly – good minutes with Embiid off the floor. He kept like their momentum going. He was able to score. He kept the offense afloat without Embiid. He gave them good minutes. He, he played good in um, Brooklyn as well as their center. So, you know, if the guy's playing, if he's playing with 10, 15 minutes a night backing up Vooch, uh, I think he'll do exceptionally well in that role. Yeah, um, you want your bigs to play big. Um, and what Drummond does is you know, we the NBA has become this whole entire league of, um, you know, we need uh, spacers. We need guys who can step out to the three-point line. You, you need guys who can know how to put the ball in the hoop. Um, you need guys who know how to play team defense um like you were mentioning if you have those wing defenders who can either stop the point of attack 
or who can filter the ball in places where the the bigs can kind of you know maneuver their body close by or get their hands on um, passes that's what you want like there's there's not a whole bunch of guys in the league who you know their main focus is just rim protection like even with the way this league is being played by now that there's not a whole bunch of guys who are trying to get to the rim and finish in the first place like you know um you kind of have to think in in terms of how the nba is being played either trying to get you know open layups to the basket or just three-point shots and i don't mean that to say that that's the way the bulls have to play but understanding a guy who can kind of deter what the opposing team is is trying to do that's what you're getting from drummond and no matter what anybody wants to say, we had a problem with rebounding, especially yeah. from that second unit. There yeah. was no one on that second unit who could rebound the ball. Um, like 29 from rebounds. Yeah, it was it was so bad. Like you just watch possessions and you just prayed that, you know, um, somebody could – we know what this team was capable of when we had Caruso and ball and those guys inability to, or, or they're creating an inability for opposing uh, players to get their shots off in a timely manner. But when that second unit came in, you just, you kind of just crossed your fingers and just hope for the best. <laughs> and that's not the case anymore. Um, you need to have a capable big, a guy who can finish around the rim. And now you have um, getting ball back and getting Caruso healthy. And then you have Ayo who played the pick and roll so well when he was in the lead guard position last year. And then you have Terry who is just nothing like his, his main focus is just trying to find guys and get them open. Like it's gonna it's just it's I see what's happening with this offense and as as free flowing as we saw the offense last year, things are gonna be even better when you have these guys on the, the perimeter who can attack and um get out in transition. It's just, it's just gonna open up so much more for this team moving forward. Yeah, and then people gotta remember like the Backup center was a revolving door last season. You know, you had Alize Johnson, uh, who started off the season as the backup center. You had Tony Bradley. Um, you played Derrick Jones Jr. as a small ball center. Then we had Mr. Kardashian. <laughs> Andre Drummond is a better option than everybody I just listed. As a backup center. You know, it's funny. Any other um, team or any other fan base, I would say, would understand that we just added two former All-Stars to our team. (laughs) I don't understand how that's a bad thing. Two former All-Stars to add to our bench. Like, that shows you the depth of this team if you have these guys who are coming in and you're only going to be expecting them to play a limited amount of minutes on a nightly basis. Like, I don't 
I don't understand what other people are, are thinking. Yeah, I, I don't think like Dragic is really gonna play that much at all, but he's he's a veteran. He he has that experience and that playoff experience that that team needs. I mean, we just can't have a team full of young guys that have no experience. I mean, like last year, our playoff round series was like what more than half the team's first playoff experience, including Zach. Well, I so, mean, we think we had Demar, we had Vooch, and we had Caruso, and that yeah. was it, right? That was it. Yep. So. <laughs> You see how that went. We, I mean, of course, we're going up against the Bucks, and you know, we had injuries, but we were able to squeak out one game. But maybe you can squeak out another one had you had guys that had been in those moments before, or who could help. You know, kind of tell the younger guys, "Hey, this is what how we need to play. This is how things are going to happen. It's the playoffs." We did not have any of that. Outside of, like you said, Damar, um, Caruso, and Vooch. And, like, Vooch never really went deep in the playoffs in Orlando. No. Um, you know, it's – look, we – like, this team was going up against a Bucks team that was missing their second best player, a championship team. And even with that, and I know what, of course, we had injuries and everything, but even with that, it wasn't even close. Um, and that's not to say that the Bucks are just light years better than us, but you just had a whole bunch of guys who had no inkling of how to play in that atmosphere. And because of that, you saw that Bucks defense was able to key in on DeMar DeRozan and key in on uh, Zach Levine. And the rest of those guys, you, you saw they kind of just lagged off of them, you know. Uh, they they attacked them, but they, you know, there wasn't any fear in the Bucks team when they were going up against, you know, this team that I would say for a good amount of the year, you know, our rookie was one of our top performing players. And you, you can't have that when you are a team that's trying to make it far in the playoffs. Um, I'm glad the Bulls went through that experience, but you need to get, have guys who have been in the trenches before. And adding a guy like Dragic with his experience and adding uh, Drummond with his ability to rebound and just play with himself is going to pay off huge for the Bulls uh, this coming year. Yeah, and then you got um, you should have a healthy Zach Levine who we just signed for the next five years. Um, I don't think because that was anybody. another thing. Did we not just sign the top <laughs> free agent? Like, I don't understand why like, people are, like just disappointed that Acme didn't do better. Like, we got the best free agent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the the best free agent that was available. Zach Levine, five-year contract. Um, we pick up two former All-Stars in Dragic, uh, who's on the minimum, the vet's minimum. And yes. You got Andre Drummond. 
Um, and I, you know, it was, it was a lot of talk that, um, well, jury, jury just didn't want to pay the luxury tax. We could have signed somebody else. We still have money left. Um, we're at 15 players and people are asking about, you know, trading Kobe, but like we said, uh, I don't think we could really trick people into taking Kobe for what we wanted in return for him. Yeah, and... you know, it's it's funny. Like I, I'm looking at all of these um players who went to various teams and I'm I just think to myself, okay, you know, now looking at who the Bulls got, who did you want to land on the Bulls team realistically? Um like taking the contract that teams offered to other players, who did we really want for them to pick up? Uh, people wanted to trade Vucevic for Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he, what did he cost? Like four draft picks? Yeah. So, like, is it with the four draft picks or five draft picks? I think it was four, and they gave up what two players or three players? Yeah, it was what whatever. Like first of all, just like paying that money to Rudy Gobert, um, to just be a defensive anchor, like that just made no sense in the world to me. And then you saw what he went for, uh, what what that team Minnesota had to give up to to get him. Like, is that really what Bulls fans were, like, you know, pinning their hopes to? Like, is, was that the direction that they thought that Acme was going to go in? Okay, let's just give this guy a whole bunch of money and just mortgage our immediate future? <laughs> yeah, I, I was never on board with, with uh, Gogurt. And then, like, you know, then there is, um, what was that? name of that power forward uh, was um, Gallinari. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he would have been pretty decent on this Bulls team, but Gallinari's had some injury his- issues. His game has gone down in the past three years. And, you know, his asking price was pretty high. Like, like, what I did, yeah, what did he get signed for? I, I forget exactly what, but it was more than what I would have been willing to to pay for him. <laughs> oh, look that up. That's a good question. Mo Bamba, um, he resigned for a pretty high amount. Yeah, and you know that w- with watching Mo Bamba go back to um, to Orlando with the glut of players that they have on that team at the center position and the likelihood that he's going to a bad Orlando team to more than likely be a backup. Like, I don't, I don't want that kind of player on the team. I, I, I don't want it. Yeah. He signed a two year, $21 million deal. That was for uh, Bamba. Yeah. It's- so you're you're paying him about ten ten point five. Okay, uh, we had that, but that that was like the full MLE. 
Yeah, I'm trying to like find like um, Gallinari's contract right now. Cause did they did they sign him yet? Um, I'm not sure if they announced that signing yet. But um, even with him on the team, like he, yes, he does provide spacing, but he's a terrible defender. Just, ugh, one of the worst. And he's had back issues in the past, and you know, I just. I don't see like I don't see any of the Bulls players or any of the players that the Bulls like were mentioned with possibly signing. Like I don't see any of them who I was like, man, I wish that they had stepped up in and paid him that amount of money. Like I just don't see it. So whatever the mid the mid level exception is. That's what they apparently got him for, but I don't see what the actual details are. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't see it. Uh so you signed a two year thirteen million dollar deal with a player option for the second season. Then again, how much of the floor are you expecting him to see? Uh, money, like I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I would ex- think maybe what ten minutes a night. Yeah. I don't know. But. I, I don't think that there was so much out there because, you know, in free agency, these contracts just go, they get crazy. <laughs> yeah, so, so we had, he had what, the 10, he had the 10.5 um, mid-level exception to use. Yeah, we could have used the whole thing for Bamba um, or Gallinari. But I think we only used some of it for Drummond, and we got Dragic with the vet minimum. So we still have like 7.3 left of it. Um, I think, you know, they they wanted to preserve some type of future flexibility that we could use that if we needed it to, instead of just like dishing it all out for Mo Bamba. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm all about like building the best team that you can have right now while also being able to prepare for your future with whatever takes place. Cause like whatever they don't use with, like with Tice, doesn't that roll over into the next year? Um, no, the, the trade exception, it expired um, yesterday. Oh, it expired. It's like a, it was a five, $5 million trade traded player exception. Um, the guy Isaiah Robbie. I know a lot of people wanted us to pick him up. Um, when he was on waivers, um, because we could have used that traded player exception to sign him. But I, I think the Spurs is who picked him up. Uh, probably higher on the waiver order anyway. Yeah, yeah, they did. 
But there, you know, there's not a whole bunch of guys where I was like, man, the Bulls missed out on this guy. That was the key guy that was going to take them over the top. You know, I just, I don't see it. I think, like, with um, what they were preaching before, like they just they need to get healthy, and they need yeah. to add around the fringes. Um, and I I think they did a good job of doing that. Yeah, uh, said um. <clears throat> They still want to like see this team how they perform healthy, like like uh, they they've touched on consistency and how these teams win championships when they have a consistent unit and you kind of want to keep the core together, especially when you just had <laughs> you just built that team last year and you didn't get to see them healthy. So I I don't understand like people who were expecting to trade Vucevic. Yeah. I thought he played well for them the past couple the past like two years. I I think that he's played well, but again, even as as with him having a down year, which I don't think I don't think that that's indicative of the player that he is and like he's just gonna drastically fall. Uh, by the wayside, I think that there's still some good that he can offer to this team. Um, I thought that even in the playoffs, he was our most consistent player. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm. It, he might not be the best defender, but his ability to pick and pop, the ability, his passing ability as a big man is so undervalued. Um, and it's a key part of what, what how this team wants to function as, as a whole, as an offense. So I, I still would like to see what him and Levine and, and DeRozan can do together. Adding in, you know, Ball, too, and, and Caruso, like, um, I think people are just not really taking all of that into effect. Like, when you don't have your point guard, when the Bulls haven't had a – anywhere halfway decent point guard for years. And then we get ball and we lose him for most of the season. And then we had Caruso to come in as, as that backup. And then we lost him for a significant part of the season. And those guys were just key to our whole entire defensive identity as well. Aside from handling ball handling um, 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 duties on the team. So, you know, I, 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 it, it just made no sense to me to like break up the core and then just like try to mortgage everything to bring in a guy like Gobert. <clears throat> right, and people they they act like Vucevic is this just this terrible defender. He is a decent defender. Yeah, the problem is when your starting power forward goes down, and then your best point of attack players go down. And he's the only big guy there because he's playing next to six four guards who have to play the power forward position because we have no forwards. It's only so much that he could do. Yeah, I I, I would look at you know the games and I would go on and listen to what people like the complaining that people would would be make the complaints that people would be making rather, and I'm just like, what what game are you really watching? 
Like, what is he supposed to do out there? Uh, and it's funny, like, people, people, like, got on Gobert and, like, saying how, oh, well, look, he, he could be run off the floor, um, you know, in the playoffs and, like, his defense is overrated. Look at the guys around him who were on that team playing defense. Once Gobert um, had to step up, there was nobody on that team who was putting forth either the effort or even had the defensive capabilities to actually be a viable threat to kind of like steer guys away from the basket. They had no, no players on that, on that Utah team that could um, provide any type of, of point of attack defense. And it's funny because the same people who lauded Gobert and wanted him on the team and, you know, were willing to, look past that, well, why weren't you looking at that same aspect when it came to Vooch and the fact that, like we mentioned, no starting power forward, a guard playing the power forward position, no point of attack players. Like, I don't, it just made me, like, just question, like, what are you all watching? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> like, and then, I, I'm, people aren't, like, taken into the fact that the guy went from the number one option in Orlando to then coming to the Bulls midseason and being the number two option and then becoming the third option once we added DeMar. You you have to adjust your game to that because you're not going to have those shots that you normally had as the first option. You're not going to have the ball as much either especially when now we have a point guard at the beginning of the season, Lonzo Ball, he's going to have the ball most of the time. And like you have to adjust your game. So if you look at like Chris Mach's first year with the Heat where he's adjusting to becoming the third option or Kevin Love's first year with the Cavs becoming the third option, they didn't have a good as season as they had before trying to adjust to that role. And after they adjusted to that role, they had a better season than that first time. Yeah, I was just going to point that out. I'm you glad you brought that up. Huh? You do? What's that? Just, you still there? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I thought I thought you were you had like another conversation going on or something. Oh no. <laughs> oh. Um but yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because you know, just again, watching like the Heat team, um and you mentioned Bosch having to adjust and you're talking about Hall of Fame players and it wasn't easy for them. At least I mean, I don't necessarily consider uh, Kevin Love to be a Hall of Fame player. Um, but you're like Bosch, Wade, and LeBron. Watching Bosch have to go from being a number one to a number three. Well, we saw that, that it took them a while for that to um, really gain momentum. And the only reason why it worked is because those three guys on that team got a chance to play together, first of all that first year and then you watched as the season went on that things started to grow and they they got to a championship obviously but 
now you look at this Bulls team. <clears throat> Vooch isn't a Hall of Fame player. But, you know, coming in from Orlando, like you mentioned, having to adjust your game, not from just being the number two the next season, but to a number three, that's a huge adjustment. And then you have guys who have never played together, um, guys who are still relatively young, who are still working on their game to, you know, as well, trying to get better. So, you know, I see a lot of good things with this Bulls team moving forward. I see a lot of flexibility within the offense of how they want to play. Um, they've added to their strengths of bringing in a defender who's not at the point where he's going to shut somebody down, but Terry's going to make life difficult for people. Um, so, yeah, I just, I see a lot of versatility on this lineup. So again, good things to look forward to um, as the, uh, the moving, the season, um, will will move move uh forward into next year yeah i i definitely agree um now I've, I've seen people already like well we're, we're, we're gonna be first round exits again and i'm like dude we haven't played a single game <laughs> there, there, we have no uh preseason game we just added two all-stars to our bench we're hopefully having a healthy Lonzo, a healthy Zach, a healthy Pat to start the year. You don't know how the year is going to play out with, like, not just the Bulls, but every team as far as injuries, um, trades at the deadline. I just don't understand how people can already predict, oh, we're going to be a first-round exit again or I've I've seen people say oh we're going to be a playing team this season because the East got better. Yeah, I mean factoring in like just how hobbled uh Levine was last year. I think he was more hurt than he let on. Like Zach Levine, like to tell you like how good of a player he is. People were looking at Zach as having a down year. He had a really good year. <laughs> um and if that's a down year, I, you know, just imagine, like, what he's going to bring to the table, fully healthy, with a full squad that will have a full um, off season to get to know each other's roles. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the guys that they're bringing in, like Terry. Terry belongs, looks like he belongs, right? Yeah. Looks like he like he's like everything that you could have wanted from the position that you were picking in looks like he belongs. Okay. We needed a big. We added Drummond. We have some um Marco. Is there any big that was taken or anybody who you reasonably expected to fall to the Bulls um with the draft pick that they were looking at cuz they were remember everybody was like, "Oh, we got to get a big or we got to get a shooter." Looking at the bigs that were taking before um, Mark, before um, the 18th pick, and I'm not talking about, you know, any of the top five players who, you know, let's face it, they, they, their development is, you're not going to see like a full um, fruition of their development for the next, what, two, three, maybe even four years. Do you think that any of the bigs that were taken like that, get that guy out of Duke or um, 
um, Liddell from Ohio State. Do you think that they would be having any type of game like Marco just put up with the game that we watched today? No. Yeah. So, like, I don't understand the doom and gloom (laughs) that a lot of people are seeing with this team. I just, I see a lot of positives on this team and a lot of ability to just do nothing but get better. Right. Uh, I, I, I I don't agree with the whole, oh, the East got so much better. No. Like, like Murray, the, the Jonte Murray going to the Atlanta Hawks. They're going to have to figure out how him and Trey Young can play together. Yeah, that, that was one of those where I understood what um... – I understood what the Spurs were doing, even because like like I don't want people to, like get it twisted. Dante Moore is a good player; he's a very good player. Yeah, but in the time frame with what the Spurs were doing, like he's not good enough to where you could say, "Okay, we're going to build around you," and in the next two years, we're going to be a playoff team. Like the the Spurs. And that's not to say anything bad about Tejante, but they have a whole lot of weaknesses on that Spurs team. There is no way that they were going, like, in my opinion, there was no way that they were going to get anything for Murray as high as they could have gotten with him right now with where his value is. Um, but like you said, him like a ball dominant guard who does play very good defense like you can't take that away from him yeah he's a great defender yeah great defender uh he will fill up the stat sheets but him and trey playing together like i don't know about that uh because you with that kind of pairing you're going to need some shooters and you're going to need you know capable big men and I, I see a lot of question marks on that team. Like I, John Collins, not really a difference maker in my opinion. Uh, Capella is who Capella is, but that that's going to take them a while to figure that out. Yeah, so I, I don't automatically see, oh, the East got better because Atlanta got the Javante Murray. Like, they still have to figure it out. I mean, it sounds good on paper, but until you actually play and figure it out, uh, I, I, I'm not putting the Hawks above us. Yeah, and like the even the Celtics, like that's going to be another interesting role because then now it's going to be a, a a thing of well, who starts? Is it going to be Malcolm Brogdon or is it going to be Marcus Smart? And from what I hear, Brogdon is not like very well liked in his locker room. That's just what I've heard. Like, teams have not been unhappy about getting him out. I don't know how much truth there is to that, but that's just from what I've heard. I'm listening to different different NBA analysts. But, um, you know, inability to stay healthy. Like, are you going to be able to count on him being healthy throughout the entire year? More more than likely, no. 
Um, and then there's Gallinari. Yes, Gallinari's a, a pretty good pickup as far as being a capable three-point shooter. But he's also a terrible defender. So, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's been any team that has, like, just outmaneuvered us and, and is, like, light years ahead of us. Even, like, with um, Miami, they lost P.J. Tucker. So there's going to go a little bit of toughness from their team and some playoff grit. Um, and you're looking at Milwaukee. Yeah, they're going to have Middleton, back, but you know, I don't, I don't think that that team has made a bunch of moves where we could say, well, you know, there's no way that the Bulls can catch them. I just, I don't see it. Nope. Uh, no, <laughs> like I, I still think we're going to be like top three, top four seed next season. Yeah, so I'm not too and then there's like the Nets. Like there's there's every last team that we are gonna talk about is Nets, Philadelphia, um who else? There's one more team. But there's just like a lot of dysfunction and just a lot of stuff that's just up in the air with a lot of these other teams who we think are or who NBA big heads think are better than this Bulls team, even with some Bulls fans, unfortunately. But um, yeah, like to to make these these different statements about the team being like a first round exit without them having even played one preseason game together is just crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I just don't understand it. Like, where's the faith, man? <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, next up for the Bulls, um, Sunday, we play our second summer league game against the New York Knicks. Oh, it's always a good day to beat the Knicks. <laughs> Every day is a good day to beat the Knicks. I think uh... – I think Marco is going to bully whoever is on the Knicks because I don't think their team has, has like any big man with NBA experience. Yeah, I, I, I could easily see um, Marco having a very, another, another good game. Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm more, I, I have faith in Marco because we've seen him put in the work. I just want to see if Terry can, like, kind of clean up his turnovers. Because, like, in college, he was, like, a three-to-one turnover ratio, assist-to-turnover ratio, which was, you know, pretty remarkable. But, um, yeah, I just I want to see – I want to – I just want to see more um, from Terry. Like, his – his uh confidence and just his joy, his like youthful jo- joy is just contagious. Like the energy that that kid plays with, like I wish I could wake up every morning with that amount of energy. Um, maybe I would be a better teacher if I did. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm just like. I'm just excited for what this Bulls team and, and being able to see more out of that, um, out of um, Lewis too. Um, 
I think as these guys get more comfortable and um, having an understanding of what the expectations are from the coach out there on the, on the court is, is going to be key, but it's going to be, um, it's going to be exciting. Like how how many games do we have in summer league? Um, We're guaranteed five. Guaranteed five. Okay. And then uh preseason would start when? Like in September? Sometime? Um, I think like late September. Um, yeah, yeah. I think you know we're we're guaranteed five. Um, could be more. You know, depending on the playoffs for the summer league. Uh, they're actually giving out summer league championship rings this year. Oh, are they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's where's so dumb. Den, where, where's Denzel Valentine? <laughs> <laughs> I just I just think that's so dumb. Like, could you imagine if they did that back then and Denzel Valentine was just like, I, I want to, I got a championship ring. I, like, dude, it's the summer league. Nobody cares. You know, it, it's funny though. Um, I don't know if you've ever like seen like these highlights of like NBA players uh, when they were playing over the summer, like any like old clips of Jordan or or Bird or any of those guys, but it there are just a lot of guys who are coming out who do not have full concepts of what they need to be doing on it on the court. Like they just it's it's funny. Like people like talk about eras and you know how these players are so much more skilled. And I thought about like how there is nothing really to base that off of um because like you're allowed to just get away with more stuff now and people just chalk it up to like youthful youthful exuberance <laughs> you know um you, there's just more stuff that you are allowed to do on an NBA court today that if you try doing that in an NBA game like in like the 70s or 80s like you get immediately taken out and your career might be over so i don't know if it's necessarily oh guys are just more skilled or just guys are are allowed to work through um you know whatever whatever deficiencies they have but it's it's like night and day watching these guys over the summer versus guys who played in college you know like back in the day how you played at least into your junior year. Um, but a lot of these guys, it's just funny, like r- watching them run up and down the court. It's almost like watching a high school basketball game. Like guys just have no idea spacing, um, running plays, uh, finding mismatches. It, I saw, I saw a good amount of that in the, the, the game with the bulls today versus the Mavericks. Like we mentioned, like we had no idea who the point guard was or what he was doing on the court. Um, And I just, looking at these games, I just, I kind of wish there were more rules in place where guys had to stay, like, at least for two years uh, to work on their game. And that's not to say that I'm unhappy with what I saw out of Terry, but there's just, you know, like I said, Terry's light years ahead of a lot of NBA guys, in my opinion, as far as his defensive reads. But they're the, the watching these games. It just highlights, like, man, there's just a lot of guys out there who are going to be making like high caliber money who have absolutely no idea how to play the actual game of basketball. 
Yeah. <laughs> like it's just funny to me. Yeah, like um no, some some players do understand like putting in work during the summer. Like DeRozan just played in the Drew League and casually dropped thirty nine points and thirteen rebounds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So you know the people that that were asking, like, well, you think Demar can have a, a year like he did last year next season? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, because it's consistency. It's you know, knowing where your spots are, knowing your position, um, and just you know, he's gonna be surrounded by even more talent. So why why would he ha- why would he have a tremendous drop off um, at any point? Like he puts in the work. The uh, Mark can still get up there too. Yeah, like <laughs> like the guy's in incredible shape. Like I don't know if like he's had a year where he's like missed a considerable amount of time. I don't recall throughout his, Not, his career. He, he hasn't. Um, you know he has athleticism that he doesn't show off as much as he probably could because he, you know, has to pace himself throughout the year. But, um, yeah, I, I don't see a big drop-off from what he did last year, uh, mainly because this team is going to be healthy. And with them being healthy, it's just going to open up more opportunities for him to go one-on-one and get to his, his spots cleanly. Yeah, I, I think it was great that – um now, he was there during the summer league game today, and I think it was like during halftime. He goes on the court and he just starts shooting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was ticked because I, I, like I said, I signed up for this um, FUBU service. Um, you, you reminded me I got to make sure I cancel it after that trial. When uh, pay close to a hundred bucks to, to watch some summer league games <laughs> like that, that just would not make a whole bunch of sense but um i was having some um some glitch issues so i missed the first like the beginning that's why i was texting you like trying to figure out how they were looking so far and even during um during like the halftime like i was having some issues some connection issues getting back on so uh good time to wait yeah, I watched it um, through the ESPN app, but for some reason it was like the Spanish broadcast. So I'm like, okay, I, I mean, I don't know who's commenting this anyway, so it wasn't really a big deal. <laughs> so, um, so wait, you can you can watch the ESPN U through the ESPN app. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I was I was trying to sign up through that that email or that uh, not email but the text that you sent me like it took me to some like crazy website where I had to put in information I'm like I'm not putting in any information on it. <laughs> crack crackhead <laughs> website <laughs> yeah that's what happened <laughs> if you don't have access. <laughs> the ESPNU, then you can get it here, but 
Yeah, you can watch um, ESPNU through the ESPN app. As long as you have like cable, a cable provider. Derek's trying to get my uh, my information on the dark web. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody had posted that because like a lot of people in Discord were like, "Well, I don't have ESPNU. Where can I watch it?" And there's putting all of these different types of streams, which isn't <laughs> actually allowed in the Discord. Oh, you, I, I didn't like, know that. Like, I never like would have thought to put streams in there, but... Yeah, it's usually um, the bot will, like, censor it and it'll delete when it sees the word stream, but I, for some reason it, it wasn't changed. <laughs> so, I'm like, hey, uh, no, the streams are coming through. <laughs> Yeah, the bot is in on it, trying to get your information out there. I will be paying over a hundred bucks, just like multiple hundred dollars, having my information out there. Send me this website where it wants my information. Get out of here. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. Oh, man. (laughs) So, yeah, bro. More Marco hours coming on Sunday. Marco minutes. That's going to be the catchphrase of the year. Where are those Marco minutes at? <laughs> you want to get any final thoughts? Yeah, I just I wanted to apologize again for speaking ill of Lori Markin and man, he just <laughs> really just gets me. Just ah, uh, just. Uh, that is just I, I I just I put a bunch of faith in Markin. I had high hopes for Markin. I thought Markin was gonna be it, you know, a key part of this Bulls rebuild and just uh I apologize for for starting the show off like that. I should not have been so negative. It's like no, we we were all fooled. <laughs> uh, you know, by Laurie well, and like, Garpex. <laughs> how were we all fooled? Like everybody said that, that was a good pickup by the Bulls. After that rookie year, everybody was convinced that we really had had a solid player. I just I don't understand how we, everybody was just so wrong on that. In the Bulls organization, outside of the Bulls organization, like I just don't get it. I don't know. It, it, I don't know. I, I just don't know. <laughs> like, I blame Lori. <laughs> yes. I, I just don't. I don't think he, like, really worked to get better than what he was. And he got, uh, like, a false confidence off his rookie year when he wasn't on a scouting report. And once the rest of the league figured him out, he did nothing to try to confuse them. Yeah, like, I also, I I thought that he had some strengths that he just didn't work on to get better at those strengths. Like, obviously... He was never going to be a guy who was just going to like kill you with his lateral quickness. But, you know, to be that size 
and have the ability to put the ball on the, you know, to 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 get to the basket. Like he had that in him, but it was just you know, I. Also blame Jim Boylan because it's the worst coach ever. <laughs> yeah, but you know, honestly, um, like this isn't football, you know, where like if you're a quarterback, like let's say you're a top notch quarterback and you see something on the field, but then like you are not given the option of calling an audible. You know, if if you have like a coach who's just like, it's my way and you're just going to execute my game plan. That's going to limit a player. And, you know, they're, they're, unless the organization like just automatically gives you the keys, like a, a head coach can just totally just take your franchise franchise and just, you know, ruin it really. Um, that's not the case in the NBA. Um, and generally speaking, if you have talent, that talent is going to outshine no matter what. And I will say that Boylan was a terrible head coach, but Levine still put in the work and got better. Um, there were other guys who worked on their game and got better. I just don't, like you said, I just think that Lori got to a point where he was like, oh, you know what? I had a great rookie year. I played very well internationally. And that's as far as I need to push myself. And I feel like he left a lot on the court that he could have worked on and just mastered his game at. And just when I see a seven-footer who can barely get you five or six rebounds a game and, you know, refuses to go into the post and or shoot above other players. Like, why are you shooting fadeaways as a seven-footer? Why would you ever need to shoot a fadeaway as a seven-footer? That doesn't make any sense to me. But <laughs> he, he took their project. Well, Dirk did it. <laughs> yeah, but it Dirk did so much to it. Like, <laughs> Dirk was never, like, in, in my opinion – like similar frame. Dirk was not going to blow by anybody. There was never a point in Dirk's career where he was like, oh, you know what? I'm so much more athletic than this guy. I'm just going to be able to beat people off my athleticism. Dirk was just a hard nose. I know how to get to my shots and I know I'm seven foot. So if I put this shot up, you're not going to be able to block it. Um, and Lori is just, he, He's just one of those guys. Like, I, I'm going to settle into trying to shoot three-point shots, and that's all I'm going to to bring to the team. Like, it's – I think it was just like a, a thing of effort with him. And I, I, with me, I hate seeing talent wasted like that. Like, I've just grown up around a lot of people who have been talented in so many different degrees, and I've watched them just piss away their talent. And – um you know, I look at him as just a guy who was like, you know what, this is just a job. I'm just trying to make a good living and live a nice little lifestyle for my family, and then that's about it. And um, yeah, yeah, I just 
I expected a lot more. Like I said, we were all food. <laughs> but we have Marco Minutes. <laughs> and we have a reclamation project in Marco who is he's ready to attack and he's ready to get better. And um yeah, like Marco flexed on somebody and it, it actually <laughs> meant something. It meant something. And yeah. <laughs> It's like yeah, I was that jumped up like yeah, flex on the market. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was sorry I started out on the on a down <laughs> downbeat, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> want to tell the people where they can follow you. Yeah, um, at he said what sports, yeah, which I was funny. At... Like you, you told me about that that um the person who does the uh, Twitter handle for the Bulls, um, Melissa. And um, I saw that she, I think her, her like handle is like kind of similar to mine. Um, Melissa, I think it's like Miss Melissa, something like that. Like I think it's like something like she said what or something like that, but it's it's very similar. Um, I'm not sure who you're talking about. Hers is and Miss Millis. Oh, she must have changed it then. That's the. Uh, oh, okay. Her display name is Melissa said what. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very similar. <laughs> and I was like, who did it first? I have no clue. <laughs> but I did uh, see that she followed me. So I'm moving up in the world. This <laughs> it is um the bull, one of the bulls Twitter community moderators. Was trying to get her to come on the show. Uh, maybe next time, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> has she heard the show? Like, has she talked to you about it before? Yeah, yeah, she's she listens. Oh, okay. She, then I she take back to everything. Oh. Yeah, no, I'm just joking. I never said. <laughs> yeah, she she heard uh, John and uh, the other guy's comments last week. <laughs> Oh really? <laughs> hey, I was trying to keep it clean. <laughs> you know, hey, just putting it out there because I know sometimes my wife listens. <laughs> John and Marcus, <laughs> she heard what you said. <laughs> yeah, make sure you specify their dates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can follow me. At Young Jordan, and we'll be recapping the next summer league games. And of course, until then, go Bulls! Go Bulls! Tennis game over, the horn blows. Oh.